morning, everyone. It's great to see you this morning. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's my joy to welcome you to Crossroads for homecoming weekend. I want to say, especially if you're a first-time guest with us, you picked a great weekend to come to Crossroads. And it's my honor to welcome you. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you're a first-time guest, text the word WELCOME to the number on the screen. We'd love to send you some information about our church. And then after the service, we'd love to give you just a little thank you gift for making some time to check us out. And for the rest of us, would you open up your program and pull out your communication card? We love to know that you were here. We love to know how to pray for you. You can start filling that out. And while you're filling this out, let me just make a couple quick announcements. First one is next Sunday, we have our Loving Christ class, a great class of learning how to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord, and you can sign up for that. And then also, at the end of the month, we're having two Easter egg hunts, one in Hayward, one in Fremont, and we're encouraging everyone to be a part of that event. So we need you, you can, you can bring candy, you can bring eggs, you can sign up to help with the hunt itself. In fact, we have a table in the lobby where you can get some more information and sign up to be part of our Easter egg hunts in both Hayward, for our Hayward and Fremont campus. And now for homecoming, I want to encourage you, inside your program is a light blue sheet. This is an outline for our message this morning, and I want to encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along and right on the top, I want to start with, the, with our homecoming verse. It comes from Ephesians 2.19, and it says this. You are a member of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Now, I want to encourage you to write this down. Would you write this down? Because at Crossroads, we believe that church is a place to both believe and belong. A place to love God, love each other, and to be a family together. And so in this family, at this church, I want to let you know what we're trying to build here. Because we're not just trying to build a building. We're trying to build a people who live life with resilient faith. Resilient faith. This is the series we're kicking off for homecoming. Resilient faith is really that type of faith that will go the distance. It's almost like building your faith, almost like a Timex watch. Do you, do you guys remember Timex? They had a slogan that would go like this. It would take a licking and what? Keep on ticking. That is resilient faith. In fact, on homecoming weekend, I'm reminded that one of my heroes, this very weekend, he had his homecoming service. The Reverend Billy Graham. And I want you to look at what Billy Graham said about faith there on your outline. This is what he said. The greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. Faith. Friends, when you think about it, I want you to think about all the things you own in your life. And the things that you count as important and precious, can I tell you, according to the Reverend Billy Graham and even more importantly, according to the Bible, the most precious thing that you possess in all your life is your faith. It's your faith. In fact, I want you to see what the Bible says about your faith. In 1 Peter 1.7 on your outline, it says this. It says, these trials, and let me stop there. Are any of you going through any trials right now? I can tell you, I know I am. 
I'm facing some of the deepest trials of my whole life right now. It says, and these trials will show that your faith is what? Genuine. Genuine. Friends, that's what, what you want to build. That's what we're trying to build in this place. Genuine, real deal faith that goes the distance. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than what? It's, it's your most precious possession. More precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Friends, look at this verse. Because it's really talking about and describing resilient faith. You know, recently I read a, a great book on resilient faith. It's, it's a book called The Insanity of God, written by a man of the name Nick Ripkin, who was a missionary in Somali during the 1990s, during the Black Hawk Down days. You remember that? In Somalia, they were going through civil war, a time of famine and starvation, and God used Nick Ripkin to literally save hundreds of thousands of lives from starvation and sickness. And then after Somali, he traveled to the most persecuted countries in all the world, to Russia and China and the Middle East, where he interviewed Christians from all these countries, and he asked them one main question. Here was his question. How do you live with resilient faith even in the midst of severe persecution? And what he found was consistent in every single country. Christian after Christian, these Four characteristics came out in his interviews. This is what they said. This is what sustained them and helped them live with resilient faith. They said this, a passion for worship, a hunger for God's word, a devotion to prayer, and faithfulness to share the message of Jesus no matter what. Worship was number one. Worship, God's word, prayer, and share. And all throughout these, this series, we're going to look at each one of these one by one. Now, as you sit here today, you may be asking, well, why would anyone hang on to their faith when it would cost them so much? I mean, we're talking their job, their home, their future, their freedom, their comfort. Here's what Nick Ripkin said on your outline. He said these words, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. He's worth it all. Begin a spiritual journey of your own. Discover for yourself the incredible peace and power that you too can experience when you live a life of faith resurrected. It will change your life. It will turn your world upside down. I know this all sounds crazy, but I assure you that it's not. It's just the insanity of God. Friends, can I echo those words? As you sit here today, the most important thing I can tell you is Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Friends, to have God's peace and power and purpose, as well as knowing that you have the gift of eternal life because of Christ, Jesus is worth it. And that leads us into a great talk on worship today. Because did you know that the literal definition of the word worship is worthship? Worthship. It means giving God the highest place, the highest priority, the highest worth in your life. 
You know, one time Jesus was talking to this Samaritan woman, this outcast, and he was talking to her about worship, and he said these words found on your outline. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, on your outline, would you underline this phrase? The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Did you know as you're sitting here today that God is looking at you? God sees you. I mean, he sees your heart and your life and your deeds and your devotions. And friends, when God sees you, does he see a heart that's devoted to him or a heart that's distracted? Does he, he see a heart that, that's dedicated to love and serve and follow him? Or does he see a distracted, divided heart that tries to squeeze God in when it's convenient in your already overcrowded life? Here's the question this morning. Are you devoted or are you distracted? Are you devoted or distracted? Because, friends, let me, let me ask. We're, we're not into guilt trips here. We're not into spiritual manipulation here. I'm not trying to put anything on you, but, but to ask you to think about the most important thing in all your life, your faith. And can I tell you, as your pastor, here's how I look at you. I believe the best about you. And I really think that you're here because you love God, because you want to grow your faith. But as your pastor, can I tell you that you will never grow a strong, vibrant, resilient faith by accident. It's going to take effort and energy and priority and focus. That's why I wanted you to have this great definition of worship printed there on your outline. Would you write this down? Worship is focusing. It's focusing my heart's affection and my mind's attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear a couple stories about some people who did that. The story of Paul and Silas and Dimitri. Do you know in the book of Acts, we read of the apostle Paul and Silas. They were traveling around starting new churches and they actually got arrested for sharing their faith. They were thrown into prison for serving God. And look at how they responded in Acts 16, 24 and 25. It says, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon, clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. See, what's amazing to me is they're serving, they're not blaming God. They're not going, hey God, we're trying to live for you and do good things, and you let this happen to us. No, they didn't blame God. They were praising God. They were worshiping him, and that's when miracles happened. Friends, it's important you know this story because do you know what will come out of your heart when you find yourself in dark and dire circumstances? Do you know what will come out of your heart? Only what you build into your heart. And what came out of Paul and Silas was praise and worship, and in the end, it resulted. Read the story. The jailer and his whole family became followers of Jesus. That's the story of Paul and Silas. Now, you may think, well, yeah, that happened back in the day in the Bible, but does that ever happen like in real life today? 
Well, let me tell you the story of Dmitri from the book, The Insanity of God. Dmitri was a Christian in Russia, and he was also thrown into prison for sharing his faith. Only his time in prison lasted 17 years. When Nick Ripkin interviewed him for his book, The Insanity of God, and asked him what sustained you over all those years in prison, Dimitri shared that he had built a strong pattern of worship into his life. In fact, I put a quote from the book on your outline. This is what it says. For 17 years in prison, every morning at daybreak, Dimitri would stand at attention by his bed. As was his custom, he would face the east just in time for the sunrise. He would face the east, raise his arms and praise to God, and then he would sing a heart song to Jesus. Well, you can imagine how well that went over in prison, right? The other prisoners would laugh and jeer and curse at him. Some would bang cups against the metal bars to try to get him to stop. Some threw food or grosser things at him to try to shut him up. And daily the guards would beat him mercilessly mercilessly to try to get him to deny his faith but friends can i tell you this pattern of daily starting his day with praise and worship it sustained his soul now here's the amazing thing near the end of his 17 years the guards threatened to execute him they actually started to drag him out to the place of execution but before they reached the courtyard a miracle happened in that prison 1,500 hardened criminals stood at attention by their beds. They all faced to the east, and they began to sing Dimitri's song. The prisoners raised their arms and began to sing the same heart song that they heard Dimitri sing to Jesus morning by morning by morning for all those years. Well, can you imagine the jailers? They were shocked, like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And they let go of Dimitri and they said, man, who are you? And Dimitri said this, I am a son of the living God and his name is Jesus Christ. Well, the guards returned him to his cell and a short time later, unexplainably, he was released from prison and allowed to return home to his family. See, that's the story of Paul and Silas. What they built into their life was worship. That's what came out. That's the story of Dimitri. What they built into their life uh, was worship, and that's what came out. And friends, as I think about that, can I tell you, I've tried to build a heart of worship into my life. In fact, I worship God publicly every week right here with my church family. And it sustains me. And can I tell you, it's brought me joy in the good times and comfort in the bad times. And I've never needed this element of worship more than I need it now. Many of you know that recently my dad, he went on a hospice. And I got the call this past Tuesday morning that my dad had died. In fact, this picture on the screen was taken by my dear friend Grace. We are staying with them and this is the sunrise from the east that very morning that I got the news. And when I heard that my dad had died, do you know what I did? I looked to the east. I lifted my hands toward heaven. And I worshiped God. And I sang praise and thanks and expressed my gratitude 
See, what came out was what I built into my heart. That's my story, but I need to ask you, what about you? What about you? See, here's our faith-building challenge. It comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. It says this. This is for you. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. He's saying here, don't let wine or drugs or alcohol or anything else control you. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let God control your life because he has first place, highest worth in your life. And you do that by, check this out, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, that's called worship. That's called worship. And here's the challenge. Would you write this down? To somewhere in the depths of your soul say, I commit to build worship into both my personal and public life. Let me give you some suggestions on how to do that. First of all, let me encourage you, just make a pre-decision. Like decide in advance that you will worship God with your church family, not just when it's convenient, not just when it fits your schedule, but week by week by week, come together with your church family for a time of praise and worship. In fact, we're going to have a great night of worship on Wednesday night, March 14th, and I hope that you'll make every effort to be there because it's going to be amazing and life-changing. And then in your personal life, friends, we listen to so much stuff, talk radio, uh, all these other things. Have you built in praise and worship into the music you listen to day by day by day? On your outline and on the screens, we've listed some of our church staff members listed their favorite worship song sets on Spotify. Why not intentionally build that in your life to every day find a song that connects with where you're at right now and make that your heart song where you worship God every day of your life. Friends, the first characteristic of building a resilient faith is worship. And we're going to do that right now as we pray together. Would you pray with me? Father God, we now come to the end of our service and we ask you to help us to focus, to focus our heart's affection and our mind's attention on you because you're worth it. You're worth it in Jesus' name. Amen.